five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hi, space enthusiasts. Nima Shahinian is a well-known Norwegian industrial designer and he is planning on going to space. And it's not just planning, he has already started some of the training, which he will tell us about. He has now even put together a whole project and team in Norway that is working on taking a group of people to space, including several candidates with disabilities. It's a really cool and important project. Hear all about it in this episode. Oh, and yes, since he is a designer, we also talk about space design. Enjoy. My name is Raphael Rodkin, and I'm an investor and advisor to space companies. Just as a reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing should be taken as investment advice. This podcast is sponsored by Nanoavionics, a satellite manufacturer and mission integrator. Their technologies enable many space companies worldwide to offer services that improve life right here on Earth, such as providing global connectivity, conducting Earth observation, or contributing to scientific discoveries. Check them out, and also check out my episode with their CEO and co-founder. Sadly, I am not a rocket scientist, but I'm an alumnus of the International Space University. ISU offers a number of educational programs about space worldwide. Check them out at isunet.edu. And just some final things before we start the episode about ourselves. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Spotify. If you want us help expand our work, you can do so and support us at www.patreon.com forward slash space business podcast. And we'll also put that link in the episode notes. And lastly, you can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore space. Hey, space enthusiasts. Welcome back to another episode. Today, my guest is Nima Shahinian. Welcome, Nima. Oh, thank you for having me. Sure, it's a pleasure. And Nima, why don't you start off telling our audience a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, I'm a 40-year-old uh, male living in Oslo. Um, I have two children. So, so I started pretty early. My oldest daughter is uh, 16 and a half, and my youngest is our youngest is is uh, 12 and a half. With uh, with uh, the mother of my children, Ida, um, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm an industrial designer by training, military background, uh, but also space enthusiast and commercial astronaut candidate. That's the short version of me. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that, that's clearly something we have to expand on, right? Yeah. The, the obvious question that's going to come back now is, okay, so, you know, you know, your guy living in Oslo um, with, with, with an Iranian name, which we'll, we'll also talk about, um, you got family man, two kids and an industrial designer, and then you dropped in there and an astronaut candidate. Well, yeah. how, did, how did that happen? Well, um, the first time I applied to become an astronaut was actually the ESA selection of 2008, 2009. Mm. Uh, at that time, I had a military background and a military career, but I didn't have, uh, I didn't have, uh, I didn't even have a bachelor's degree by then. Let's be honest; they are saying that the the, the mandatory uh, education is master's degree, but in reality, they are only, you know, a lot of them has uh, doctor degrees. PhDs, yeah, at least one. Yeah, a lot of them have, you know, at least one. So. Yep. At that point, I didn't even qualify to, to through the first screening, naturally. I knew that. Uh, I spent the money on doing the doctor's review here in Norway before I applied, mm. knowing that I wouldn't qualify anyways. But 
Why not? So uh, some years later, I um, had this thought of developing a new space program looking at the commercial side. And when I'm talking commercial, I'm not talking space tourism. It was it was an idea of how can we develop the future of professional yet commercial astronaut program. Mm-hmm. So after a dialogue with American company Space Adventures, uh, we ended up doing this cooperation and planning a trip to the ISS and developing the program uh, while I was going. So that was you know the beginning of that not that coincidental uh, in the meantime i i took a master's degree a full education in industrial design mm-hmm. which you know means that i also i don't only form and shape product people tend to think that we industrial designers only work with shape and, and making products desirable but in reality mm-hmm. we also work system oriented we we work with what we call service design we work with mm-hmm. user experience design so we work with those kind of abstract phases of design also uh, and this was a case like that how could we design the future of commercial professional space program mm-hmm. but can you give us uh, just maybe some short examples in your sort of Typical industrial design work? What kind of stuff would you design? Well, I've been working with a lot of hardware, you know, the traditional mm. industrial design projects, actually. So so I have been doing services. I used to work in a company that, that redesigned the queue for breast cancer diagnostics, for instance. <laughs> Um, so I've been working in companies that have been doing a lot of those kind of stuff. In my career, I've been working a lot with aerodynamics, vehicles, race cars to electrical outlets and, and consumer products. So so I've been working with a lot of uh, different stuff. You know, for, for us designers, it's it's not about the end product or what, what we work with. In the beginning, when I was a kid dreaming of becoming a designer, it was, you know, the car design thing and drawing beautiful cars that goes fast and... Yeah. But but in reality, you know, we end up loving the process. We love the design process. So so if we work with a computer, a laptop, or a computer mouse, or a race car, doesn't even matter to us anymore. It's it's more about the process. Yeah, and I guess since it's industrial design, it's I assume it's form and function, right? I, I guess you can't really separate yes. that. Yeah, form, function, desirability, which is form, of course, but but also problem solving. What kind of real life problems do we solve? How what what is our roles as as product or industrial designers in society, and and how could we uh, help? design tomorrow, right? So 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 it's 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 a complex uh, career. Since you're also um, you know a, a space enthusiast. As you've mentioned, obviously you are your astronaut candidate. Yeah. Does, the, does the designer in you, do, do you also like watch like as a design stuff in space? I don't know, do you watch like, you know, somebody like putting up a new rocket and you're like, oh, this is like a silly looking rocket and this should look different or like spacesuits or are you watching that kind of stuff? Obsessively. You know, <laughs> I, we'll, we'll probably will talk about it later also, but but I've been training in spacesuits okay. and every little part of the spacesuit, I'm like, why is it like that? Why isn't it like that? And the reason is, let's say, for instance, an EVA suit, right? Uh, from a design perspective. From a design perspective, we wouldn't design a spacesuit like that. But I know there is a reason that spacesuits are designed the way they are. I trained in them. I know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is, uh, with the design approach, we would say, you know, what is the real need for an astronaut? And then we go in and solve those problems, right? And in a spacesuit, there are, let's say, 500 different problems that needs to be solved together uh, uh, you know, everything aligned in order to end up with a spacesuit that works perfectly. So if you give the same job to an enge- engineer, 
which I have tremendous respect for, just saying, mm-hmm. if engineers are listening listening to this podcast, yeah, they have a different approach to it. You know, they they have this, I'm kind of stigmatizing now, you know, but I, I don't mean to yeah, use sure. that. Yeah, but, but the point is, we have a more user-oriented approach to stuff. Engineers have more of the technical approach to stuff, right? So if engineers and industrial designers work together, you end up with amazing technical solutions, which are also really well-shaped for actual use and needs, right? While doing my space training and, and you know, being in the space business for, for the time I have been, I always tend to look at different, you know, why is it like that? Why is it shaped like that? Could it be different, uh, you know, having these ideas? So I'm you know, full of ideas. So are, are you happy with any of the existing spacesuits? I mean, I used to be sort of like the the the, the, the traditional like uh, Soviet slash Russian ones, which I think is what I saw you like wearing as well during training. Yeah. And then like SpaceX came around and like they started looking a little bit like the whole black and white thing looks a little bit <laughs> sleeker, right? Um, then there's a sort of like this like blue jump suits that Virgin Galactic. Are you happy with any of these? I think um, I'm I'm. <laughs> I'm happy with them. Yeah, I think, you know, I think being a science fiction nerd, uh, I like the SpaceX suit, the flight suit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, the Russian ones, they look cooler in that context. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that that's the looks of them. But but there's a difference between flight suit and EVA suit also. Sure. Course, you know? And and I, I love, I've been training in the Orlan suit, the Russian Orlan suit. So mm-hmm. I had quite a few hours in that one. And I just love the idea of simplicity, one piece thing. Uh, that said, I'm still wondering why the hatch in the back is, you know, that size. It, it, they could easily have it 10 centimeters taller and wider. And, and, and a guy like me, 95 kilo guy could, you know, easily get into it as supposed to what I've been doing. But, you know, based on the looks, I think actually, you will be shocked right now, but but I think the best looking flight suit right now is actually Boeing's uh, Starliner suit, the blue one. Oh, I forgot about I that love one. love that. Yeah, because they have these rebook shoes, which, you know, look so cool and functional and modern, but still the spacesuit look like a spacesuit, not a fashion statement. So from a, from a designer's perspective, looking at only aesthetics, I love that suit. I really love that suit. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so yeah, I do want to talk about your training, but let's just take one step back and and, and basically um, talk a little bit about the process, sort of like, okay, you went through, well, you didn't go, but you started the ASA selection process. By the way, I mean, so you said 2008, you said you have big kids. I mean, so you already had a family when you basically decided to become an astronaut. <laughs> what does your family think about all of this? Well, they are kind of used to crazy ideas, but but they also know that uh, this is not a crazy idea. This is actually a relevant idea. So so if you look at if you look at different kind of startups, uh, companies that has been started, uh, which actually made it. I'm I'm looking at this space program that we are developing now. When I say we, I mean the whole team. We are here in Norway. We are becoming a big team. Mm-hmm. So I look at it as a startup. Well, I'm I'm not doing the you know. Of course, everyone working for themselves and creating something are, you know, there is a piece of ego in that because they just want to do it or or they want to have an interesting life and interesting every day. But in the end, this is the mentality we have is a startup mentality, which which are going over to becoming a scale up now. So it started like a company. So so while I've been doing this, I also been reasoning for my family why I'm doing this and what the result Mm. can be and what kind of business this, this can be in the future. And that's why it's easier to kind of, you know, Know, accept in, in many ways. So, so I have a really, really supportive family. 
And so how did that team come together? Were, were you putting the people together or did people naturally find each other? How did, how did that happen? Well, uh, you know, that's, that is a great question. It's actually a beautiful question. I will tell you why it's beautiful, why I use the term mm. beautiful on that question. Because a lot of people ask me, you know, what my biggest talent is. I, I'm a well-established industrial designer here in Norway. I've been doing a lot of cool stuff. I've been having a lot of fun. But my main talent has always been two things. One is is understanding processes needed for uh, the, the, the project that I'm in or, or the challenges that I'm entering. Because the design process is not the same always. But I have the this design process mentality in everything I do. So, so if I want to gather a team, I use design uh, mentality doing that, okay? Which means I do insights. What kind of people do I need? What kind of people would function together? It's the same sort of insights I do while, you know, looking at, different kind of end users doing a product, right? In this case, I have to do the insights and understand what kind of needs the project has. So when I have that mentality, I also uh, developed the, the, the biggest talent that I have, and that is gathering amazing people. I have the tendency to, to gather the best people that I you know, can mm -hmm. find. And 99.9% and of the time, all of them are 10 times better than myself doing what they do. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah. You know, it's the old saying, you, if you want to succeed, you have to gather people around you that is better than yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so when did that, so the ASA selection process you uh, participated in was uh, 2008, you mentioned, when did that all happen? When did you start forming a team? And then when when did you uh, contact, I guess, Space Adventures? And when when did you start training? So, so the, the project, uh, the idea, the development of this, let's call it program or startup, yeah. uh, started in in 2016 and that was when i started seeing how the commercial space industry was changing right so coming from norway we see that the the level of wealth this country has i'm talking about norway of course is based on the oil that we found in the 60s and 70s here mm -hmm. in norway Mm -hmm. And while looking at that, uh, the government is kind of, you know, owning the, the, the cash flow and the values created and investing that on behalf of the Norwegian people. And they are doing an amazing job, uh, not spending too much on, on, on you know, idiotic uh, choices, but, but actually, you know, spending the money right most of the time. Of course, you know, we, we don't always agree with the politicians. But the reality of that time was that uh, there was commercial companies being, building the platforms. There was commercial uh, roughnecks working on the platforms and making the food and flying in the helicopters to the North Sea to the oil platforms and drilling and doing the diving, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So looking at the space industry, uh, it was this uh, I, I realized that okay, SpaceX is close to having human-rated space vehicles with mm -hmm. their uh, you know, Dragon, there, there was a lot of talk about the Dragon and the future mm -hmm. of space, commercial space and, and this race between Blue Origin and SpaceX and so on. So we were kind of, you know, I was seeing that the commercial space was not only connected to space tourism, but also space industry. Mm -hmm. So the question I started asking is, okay, if the hardware is going to be like it is, if we are actually talking about, you know, the Artemis program and going back to the moon and then uh, then Mars, we need more professional astronauts than the governments are producing right now. ESA has mm -hmm. like, you know, how many have they had? Six, seven astronaut candidates uh, since 2009 until this year, mm -hmm. uh, last year, right? Uh, end of last year, yeah. So, so can the governments, the governmental organizations produce that amount of astronauts? I don't believe so. I, I see a real business in creating 
being the workforce of the future. So that's where the idea actually was born, right? SpaceX is the best in their field, manufacturing rockets and designing systems for, for reuse and re, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. spacecraft, etc. So who is going to develop the, the people? Who is going to build the, the, the educational institution of the future for space workers? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's kind of the, the mentality this project was built upon in 2016. And, and the reason Space Adventures is, um, is actually another idea that, that spun off from science fiction. I'm a real science fiction nerd. So I remember watching, I don't know if you, it's, it's getting pretty old. Have you seen The Island with Ewan McGregor? Was that, that a movie? It's a movie. It's a really cool movie that I recommend. It's probably 20 years old by now, but you know, the time The Island with uh, Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson came out. Oh, I do remember. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you know, it's not about space. It's 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 nothing to do with space. It's 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 a future dystopia where people, rich people, are manufacturing these clones. It's kind of insurance for oh, them. Organ replacement. Yeah. Exactly right. But there is one thing that is really cool, and the cool thing is the product placement they did in the movie. Because at that time, MSN, the chat program, MSN. Do you remember that? In yeah. The- we were chatting. We're, we're, we're both dating ourselves here, by the way. But yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but, but the cool thing was at that time, MSN doesn't exist anymore. At that time, they did this product placement in the movie where MSN was the natural communication system in that new world in the future, right? So they had this phone boot, which was branded MSN. And that kind of hit me. It hit me that, okay... When we look at companies today, we have to define who is going to be the company of the future. Mm. And my idea of this was, you know, comparing it to the MSN and then the Ewan McGregor movie. Why I'm saying this is, is this was a conceptual thought at that time, who would be the communicator of the future? It would be MSN because everybody was using MSN and that was a communication channel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to define what things are, right? In this case, I was like, okay, if anyone is going to create the world, you know, professional commercial uh, astronauts, that should be space adventures because they they were the only ones at that time with experience in taking, uh, let's call it normal people. Of course, you know, really wealthy people, but, but still bodily normal people and, and creating astronauts and sending them out they had this commercial experience in that so so Mm -hmm. that was a natural way of going and contacting them and establishing a really good dialogue with tom shelley uh, which is the president of uh, Mm -hmm. space adventures and then starting the project and then what was the sort of the um and and i noticed probably changed in the meantime the parameters of the first the first planned mission uh for that i had you mean yeah yeah so when we started talking to to uh, to space adventures um we were actually looking at i don't remember exactly which soyuz we were looking at i remember if i remember correctly it was actually we were looking at prospects on soyuz ms 22 which is the 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 machine that was leaking now just before chris right yeah Yeah. because we started discussing the flight opportunities just before COVID breakout. So this was in November 2019. We actually started for real talking about mission opportunities, uh, going on mission opportunities. So the project name was actually NEMA 2022 in the beginning. And the idea was to, you know, somebody has to correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember that Soyuz MS-22 was actually uh, the the hot topic uh, for, for, for a while then. But then okay. COVID 
broke up, right? So 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 yep. everything changed. Uh, the financial systems changed, and and we couldn't enter Russia to start training, and it was a lot of back and forth for a while there. But so, so the original idea was basically to have the, one of those um, trips to the ISS in the same way that space adventures. Um, and some people may notice, some listeners, some not. Space Adventures did, I think, eight times in the 2000s. Yeah, eight times. And then they had the time number nine and 10 together with the mission of Maizawa December last year. That's right. And then there was a break of a few years where nothing happened. I, I, was, I forget now why that was, but do you remember why that was? Why weren't there any quote-unquote tourist missions? Um, I, I think the, it was only lack of clients, I think. I don't really know. I think yeah, that was most most likely. I, I don't really know, to be honest. Uh, but they said they have been running their company for a while and, and, and they never you know, paused and they are super, they are the best at, at what they were doing. And uh, and that was you know handling the Russians and, and, and doing this amazing space flights uh, with the Russians and and I think also you know the Maizawa mission was pretty interesting and super cool but uh, but still it was a different kind of mission profile we were looking at right we were the, the idea was never to to become a space tourist the idea was to map out calculate and develop systems financial systems etc etc design how the space worker of the future would be selected and trained and go through training and and, and also do a mission so 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 the end result would be a complete new type of program and and also a paper describing uh, you know a research paper that was kind of the idea gotcha if I remember from the 2000s, so the, the most recent, the Mezava mission, and, and by the way, for our listeners uh, who may not know, Yusako Mezava, who flew with, I think if effectively like his cameraman or something like this. Um, assistant, I think, yeah. Yeah, assistant. Yusako Mezava, of course, is also the uh, the person who's financing the um, Dear Moon mission. Yes. The Moon Vision, where there is already two podcast episodes with um, future crew members and another one is about to come out. So, oh. so at least in the 2000s, um, these missions, I think, ran between twenty to thirty million dollars. How are you? How are you guys financing this this project? Uh, that was one of the interesting things, right? Because um, the, the, I, I don't really know the prices. Uh, we we never, you know, we know what kind of prices we got, but we have an NDA, mm -hmm. so so I can't reveal it here. Oh. Um, but uh, you know. You can Google. It's it's the range of between in, in the early two thousands. It was Google says uh, it was around twenty million without anyone confirming that sum. So 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 we don't mm -hmm. really know. Uh, but the range of a space flight today is is up to with SpaceX to to uh, you know through Axiom Space and so on. And, you know we know that is about sixty five million dollars. So mm -hmm. so it's it, it's a lot of money. But that was also one of a, a big part of, of the development project that we were doing. So, so back to, you know, design thinking and designing stuff. As designers, we also have something called business design. We go in and design businesses. We look at new opportunities and new streams and new new uh, ways of doing funding and doing, you know, money transfers and etc. We design all sort of stuff and that systems also. So, so designing the financial system doing this has been a really really important part of the project because mm -hmm. in our case i'm not a billionaire space flyer i don't have uh, the personal cash of buying something like this and therefore enable to do this astronaut program we have and also open it for a lot of people in the future uh, we we saw that solving the financial uh, kind of part was was probably the most important and and how do you solve that? Because you can't sell 
enough research hours in order to kind of cover that sum. But in the future, if we are going to have commercial uh, businesses doing stuff up there, you know, the math has to, 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 you know, you have to make money. That's, that's mm. kind of the incentive because, because I, I don't think future companies will do that without, it's, it, it needs to be an investment and investments mean you go in with some money and get even more back basically. Right. Mm. So that has been something that we have been looking at. And, and while talking about that, of course we have been, Norway have never had an astronaut in space. We have, okay. We had two astronaut candidates, uh, actually three astronaut candidates in the top final mm -hmm. of, of the ESA selection uh, that, that was revealed in 22. Two of those are, are colleagues of mine now. They, they have joined our program and part of that. And one of them is Nils Mykleby, which is a medical doctor. Um, and the other one is Tarje Sale. This is, you know, hard Norwegian names. But Tarje Sale yeah. is also uh, the head of the medical board in ESA. So, so he's really high up there. A neurosurgeon, mm -hmm. and 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 so so while this happened, we started looking at okay, could commercial programs be Norway's uh, chance of establishing in space, right, uh, with humans because we have a lot of tech. So so looking at commercial meets governmental kind of uh, economy uh, has also been a hot topic for us. So that's interesting. So if you and hopefully you um, when you get to go. Um, depending on what it is, you could be the first Norwegian to go to space, but uh, you also have Iranian background, so you could be the first Iranian male, because Anusha and Sari already went, but you would be the first. I'm a big fan of. Yeah, and who, who isn't? I mean, she's fantastic. And 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 I guess, depending on how long it takes, if I remember correctly, there's also now one of the new NASA astronauts is also Iranian, well, Iranian-American. Um, yeah. Uh, I forget her name. Jasmine. Yeah, Jasmine. Yeah. This is actually, just on a side note, there's something wonderfully ironic. I don't want to get into politics, right? But there's something wonderfully ironic if actually there's going to be two Iranian women going to space before the first man goes. But you anyway. know, I have to say, I just love that. If we would get uh, a person, I would trade off my my seat for an Iranian woman anytime because I think it's so important for Iranian women to be in front there. And and if you look at Anusha Ansari, how amazing she is. And she, she'd been, you know, paving way and showing what people can do uh, from exiled Iranians. And then you have Jasmine, uh, the mm. NASA astronaut, which with her combat helicopter experience, she's a, she's mm -hmm. a mother, she's married. You know, these are extraordinary women extraordinary mm. humans so, which i really really look up to so so i hope uh, jasmine jasmine will fly soon together with the danish astronaut morgensen uh, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so 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 i'm really looking forward to her first flight and i'm cheering for them yeah, so same. there will be more yeah but i will as you are saying i will be the first Norwegian, the first male Iranian, and and probably mm -hmm. first industrial designer. I don't know. I I haven't heard of any. So <laughs> probably right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But so out of curiosity, so for the um uh for the um for for the program. But by, by the way, what's what's the name of the program? The the name of the program was. I have to explain this because something has happened. So 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 please stop me if I rant too too long now. Mm -hmm. uh, the name of the, pro the program was Nima 2022. Because I was, you know, planning mm -hmm. to buy in 22 and we had this goal and we had this system and was working really actively towards that. Uh, now things have changed. So so when I was, uh, I, I did some training elements in Russia, uh, thereby also uh, did some neutral buoyancy lab training in the Orlan suit, which is, mm -hmm. you know, pretty rare to do commercially. Uh, and, and we were actually 
aiming to do the first commercial spacewalk, which Russia was offering at that time. Mm. Um, so, so the program was it was pretty advanced. Uh, what we were thinking, um, and and our goals were super high. So, so when I got back from Russia, just I don't remember the dates, but just a couple of weeks after the war broke out. So, so I I, I cut my cooperations with the Russians. Space Adventures also cut their cooperations with the Russians immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, the, you know, the right decision to do because it's it's impossible to work with that. So one thing is the the ethics of stuff and what's going on. The other thing is with the declining economy of the Russians, uh, it will, you know, the question of how dangerous it will be training and flying with them is 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 another topic, right? Mm. Um, that said, uh, I had this amazing experience in Russia. So. So while the politics are going on, most of my instructors and the staff at uh, Gagarin Cosmonaut Training Center, GCTC, mm-hmm. was just amazing and, and totally anti-war, uh, right? And they didn't want this to happen. And, and they had this uh, extreme belief in that space should be and was uh, uniting. So so, mm-hmm. so I think it was super sad that Dmitry Rogozin started, you know, uh, the Twitter kind of word war that he started. But when the project was... Um, was changed uh, we started uh, looking at new prospects and that was uh, that was um, recruiting more people we didn't want to do it as one space flight but a, but a complete program with different kind of space flights inspired by Jared Isaac's man Isaac man's uh, mm-hmm. dawn project which is super interesting mm-hmm. and we have highly respect for but inspired by that we saw that okay we need to change this to become something bigger than one guy wanting to to go mm-hmm. to the ISS right um so so we did this thing where we started recruiting uh different people so we started talking to a couple of NASA doctors uh, and did this really interesting review on how could we be the first to develop what we at that time called a para astronaut project mm-hmm. So this was before the ESA selection, right? Yeah. So um, so we actually recruited uh, two, you know, Nils and, and Tadia, which I talked about uh, previously, and they are not disabled. And then also five disabled people with different kinds of injuries and diagnostics, super interesting people. Some of them with injuries and some of them with, you know, born kind of disabilities. And, and that's what we are doing now. So we call the project right now Next Step. So uh, the Next Step project is, is, you know, our main focus, which is not only about me anymore but but about a team from norway which five of them are disabled and that said talking about the naming we don't call it the para astronaut project anymore because para means parallel to right so you have the paralympic you have this you know what the society called normal uh, olympics then they have the parallel which is people with uh, with uh, different kind of disabilities doing a parallel olympics in this case we are aiming to create real functioning working astronauts but coincidentally, they are paraplegic, for instance. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's my next question. So I was going to ask you about the new name. I was going to ask you sort of like what you're looking for in potential candidates. And so I yeah. <laughs> but, but besides besides the fact that you, um, you, you know, were taking people with disabilities, I mean, what, what else were you looking for in the candidates? Well, we were looking for, uh, when when started recruiting, especially recruiting people with disabilities, we, we needed to have uh, some sort of uh, hypothetical, you know, theory on who would qualify. So we made this framework together with uh, some doctors and and, then space adventures and you know we got this help uh, from external uh, forces uh, telling us you know we know that for instance lack of arms could never qualify at this point but lack of legs 
would, right? That kind of. But what we started looking for is people that had uh, within those that framework, which was with the medical framework, but also people that had good cooperating skill, people that had a mental health that is strong enough and able to test themselves, but also people that are um, what can we call it? Um, Self um, uh, sacrificial. Uh, could we say that people that are willing to sacrifice? Um, you know, take some pain in order to do some sort of a science project, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah. So we were looking for people that understood that they are a part of a bigger thing than, than an ego thing. So some of the candidates we have is we have some amazing candidates. One of them, for, as an example, is is Mr. Uh, officer Trum Hamid. Trum Hamid is, is a police officer. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he is, um, uh, for those who have heard of the terror attacks in Oslo in 2011, yeah. Um, uh, the terrorist Anders Bering Breivik uh, shot and killed 66 people, uh, most of them uh, people under 15 years old um, in Oslo. Terrible terror attack. Trondhammer was actually the first person on the island where this happened. He was uh, in what we call Delta. Delta, The Delta force in the police is equivalent to to SWAT team in the US. So Mm. so it's kind of the police special forces. He was leading that operation. First man on the island and the person that arrested uh, the terrorist. Hmm. Um, some years after, he falls on his bike, technical issue with the steering, breaks his back, paralyzed forever. Wow. Ends up in a hospital for six months and then straight back to, let's call it the SWAT team. So as I said, it's called Delta, uh, you know, in Norway, it's straight yeah. back to, to service, but in a wheelchair. So he's not operational anymore, but he is now um, educating the new, you know, and that kind of people have the mentality that says, I'm going to get back. I'm going to kick mm. in that door. And and that's what we call the next step, right? Because we don't think the next step will actually, next step of humankind need to be a physical step. Mm. We, are doing, we are redefining what a step should be. Interesting. And then what are those, when you and when, when the others fly, what, what do you plan on doing during the mission? Like, for example, is there like, you know, experiments or other type of research? Yeah, that is a really, really good question. So uh, what we are aiming for now is uh, our goal is to buy a complete capsule now, not fly only one or two people. Uh, mm-hmm. But our goal is to buy a complete capsule with four seats and have uh, myself, Tarja Nils, the doctors, and one of the candidates on the first, you know, one of the, the disabled candidates on the first flight. I'm, I'm not going to try to, to explain the medical stuff because I'm not a doctor, but our doctors, um, Tarja Nils, uh, mm-hmm. has developed this medical project uh, with, to measure the pressure in the head mm-hmm. while doing, you know, in zero G, which is a research question that has been asked um, through NASA and ESA for decades, but we, we haven't been able to do that. So one of our candidates have an open spine, which means that we can, you know, surgically um, mount sen- sensors to her spine and therefore also through her nerve system measure pressure in the head. I don't know if I'm explaining it correct, but we are aiming for real, real, extremely highly advanced uh, experiments that NASA and ESA and other uh, space agencies have been been you know dreaming of for decades yeah. to in, do that. in that regards it sounds a little bit similar to um at least my understanding of um um you know like the, the you mentioned jared isaac man right who's now going to fly the polaris missions i mean i understand what you're t- talking about there is different from what they're doing but they're also i think planning certain types of medical experiments so it's really yeah. cool that like you know various groups now are thinking about you know picking up that kind of research 
Yeah, I think it's super important, Ben. And for us, uh, the, we, we have some research questions that we want to do ourselves. Uh, I myself is going to focus mostly on universal design and solutions in space, uh, you know, in, with, with, you know, by being an industrial product designer. Uh, so I'm going to continue working on the technology part of it and, and what, what's needed. And Natalia and, and, and Nils, uh, the doctors, and also one of our disabled candidates is also a doctor, Lena Skrödin. Uh, mm -hmm. So they will do this medical exper experiment thing, but we are at some point going to open up for um, for uh, institutions to contact us so we can bring other people's research also to space. So so that's also something that we are opening up for. And by the way, so now that you had to switch away from Soyuz, um, do you already know where, with whom you plan to go? Will you go on a Dragon, Boeing? Um, I don't know, what, are you, what, are, what options are you looking at? Yeah, we, you know, we haven't talked to Boeing yet. Uh, as I said, I love the spacesuits. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, I can't choose based on the spacesuit, sadly. Um, but uh, but uh, I love the the SpaceX also. Okay, come on, you know it's it's super cool what they are doing and it's amazing what they they managed. But uh, there are dialogues. Um, we don't know. We are you know in early phases, kind of sniffing out the possibilities of of uh, ISS mission or, or SpaceX free flyer or, oh, yeah. mm. or even also looking at really, really preliminary looking at Starship uh, possibilities. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so absolutely. But, but in, you know, in the case we are in now, we, we really don't know what we are going to end up with, uh, but we are uh, absolutely with, with the high intensity working on researching what kind of flight would be correct for us to do. So we are open for everything. Um, but but it's it's kind of you know I, I love the Soyuz and I, I spend some time in the simulator and, and know the machine and and it's kind of sad that it's kind of you know uh, ending up in the background and when it comes to Boeing you know what can we say it hasn't really been that successful that we were hoping and so, so we, well not yeah. not not yet we'll we'll give yeah. it on. I hope it will happen because fingers crossed for them and yeah yeah I think you know they had they had some rough years so so I really yeah. I'm really that's the space industry, right? We have to cheer for each other, and and I hope they get up and flying. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, you clearly like the stories, but did, did I not hear you before saying you're a reasonably big guy, like tall guy? I'm one uh, one eighty seven tall, so so. You, I, I assume you have been inside the Soyuz capsule, right? That's like... oh yes, it's super tight and it's extremely uncomfortable. But there is, you know, aesthetically and the smell and the buttons, <laughs> it's a it's a real sense of the kind of the spaceship you know hardcore thing i was looking at but i have to accept that you know well, it, it certainly <laughs> yeah, represents the industrial part in industrial design i can see that yeah it does it does and i'm you know i'm the you know functional kind of guy right <laughs> but but uh, no all jokes aside the soyuz has been a capable machine for for years and and really done a good job and but but you know all things all good things must come to an end so 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 of course you know Everybody is seeing the Soyuz in, in short future retiring, right? And just uh, maybe they develop a new spaceship. I don't know. I don't really know. But uh, but yeah, I love the Soyuz. Yeah. So let's um, let's finally talk a little bit about that the, the training that you did get to do. Like, can you describe a little bit? You know, what type of training you did? What you yeah. liked? Um, maybe what was different from the way you expected it. It was pretty different than I expected, and I think I think uh, the most um, what, what I remember the most is just entering GCTC, the camp. Mm. 
because the camp is so historic, right? This is the place where human space flies, flight was born. And just walking in the hallways uh, in my flight suit uh, from the one training session to another and talking to the instructors and, and knowing that this is the hallways that Yuri Gagarin and, you know, all those kind of uh, old space heroes were walking and training and, and preparing themselves. So, so that was in itself unique. I think uh, I, I liked all the training elements uh, and I really liked it because the Russian instructors were so amazing. They are so calm and, and professional in what they do. Um, everything from the Soyuz simulator training to, to the so-called suit, uh, just, uh, just, just wearing that kind of gear and, you know, getting it on and, and being focused was, was an amazing experience. Uh, but I think the favorite parts of my training, if you take the food tasting aside, because I had a lot of food tasting. I think I've tasted like 150 types of, um, of space food um, while I was in training. And, okay. but, but the coolest part I did was the Orlan uh, training, both in, in dry land simulator training, uh, which is, you know, you ha- you're in an Orlan suit, which is a space-flown Orlan suit, amazing mm-hmm. machine, and just, you know, crawling into that and, and hanging in a, in a wire that, that kind of simulates uh, zero-G and, and learning how, uh, what can we call it, the, the, the spacesuit systems work and so on, airlock systems in the simulator, but also ending up in the neutral buoyancy lab, which in, in Star City is called the Hydro Lab, you know, with all the you know all the staff involved and the planning and the instructors and the mission done underwater for me that was uh, just been doing that is surreal to think about to be honest and when i look at pictures and videos of myself crawling in and out of that suit i feel so amazingly privileged you know most of us will never experience being in a in a in a spacesuit and i i really mm-hmm. feel privileged right to to be able to touch one and crawl into one and experience how it feels so 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 all the training was just amazing yeah yeah so i wonder you know if this, the space thing takes off more you know how there's basically some you know professional clothing like i don't know like mountain gear and then we basically now created urban versions of that so people can yeah. feel like they're cool you know like maybe we'll have like the urban spacesuit <laughs> I hope so. And I hope we have urban stuff uh, that is inspired by, uh, you know, that kind of aesthetics and it's beautiful. And, and, and yeah, I, I haven't, I, you know, of course I have some ideas about that materialistic stuff, and, but, but the most, you know, the, the, the ideas I I'm spinning around with, I have a lot of ideas. So if anyone is listening to this podcast, uh, wanting to invest in developing the next, you know, future of, of competitive uh, EVA suit, please contact me because I have a lot of ideas that I would love to share. <laughs> yeah. That was actually one of my questions I was going to ask you is sort of like, you know, is there anything, um, you know, how listeners can help project next step? Yeah. You know, we are, we, this is, we are not going to be rich doing this. We are developing something because we believe in it. Uh, I think just getting, um, uh, people with disabilities to space will mean a lot for human for humankind mm-hmm. uh, so of course you know as i said we are we are a startup we are becoming a scale-up we are always looking for cash we are always looking for technical support we are always looking for knowledge and, and i think you know we are open to working with uh, with uh, people with the same um, view and vision and and hopes for the future that we have and and technology companies and so on and so forth so 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 i don't have one specific thing to ask of but but if anyone listening wanting to be you know join this of course contact us and let us talk and that's the way you kind of build a network and and end up you know most of the team is just i don't really know where they came from but 
they pop up here and pop up there and 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 they, you know as i said that's you know been my biggest talent just the gathering amazing people right and getting to know people so so yeah uh don't be afraid of contacting us because we love talking to people yeah sure and you guys have a website we are building a website right now so okay, otherwise we put yeah. it in, uh, we put it in the episode notes but okay <laughs> yeah you know, we are building a website but we are we are really i am i use instagram a lot um, mm -hmm. and the reason i do that is because uh instagram is is a platform that reach young people and and that's uh, that's part of it and we also have the next step space uh, instagram account also yeah so i want to okay and, and you mentioned msn and the product placement in the movie before i guess you guys could do product placement as well maybe <laughs> good yeah that's a good idea if anyone from instagram is listening to this we want to bring you to space <laughs> no yeah but you know of course if we are going to do any product placement we we really need to it needs to be ethical correct and, yeah. and don't say yes to any you know well we, we get a lot of offers of course and and it's super important for us that that this is an ethical good project so so for instance we don't do product if you if you sell weapons we don't do product placement mm. for you because because we wouldn't want to be involved in that kind of industry so yeah gotcha and so kind of looking a few years down the road i mean what's your what's your hope for this project like what if everything works out perfectly what what is this going to be well like when when will when will you have deci uh, decided that like oh this was a success this is what i wanted it to be well um, as i said i i don't you know none of us are dreaming of doing this one space flight we are mm -hmm. dreaming of doing this as a as a longer space mm -hmm. program so so we are dreaming of creating a space program that don't only live for one or ten years but but you know 30 years in the future someone else is running it we want to create um, a space program which will benefit the humankind just the way that nasa and esa and yaksa and all the 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 global space industry the space agencies has but in this case uh through commercial you know forces so 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 i don't think i will ever reach the point where i think you know this was a success that will probably happen um you know after my lifetime hopefully but 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 i i think i think i would look at it the opposite it would be rather sad if this would crash and burn and and we won't let that happen right so so i'll be happy when we we manage to do three space flights and all of them ends up creating technologies and science and and really really beneficially beneficiary stuff that that gains you know humankind yeah and i mean your basic premise strikes me as a right one sort of like that we you know we have to kind of work on getting more let's call them commercial people into space right sort of like people who are not government astronauts people who are also not just on the joy right but people who kind of basically train to yeah even though not all of the things we'll do in space will need astronaut intervention right some stuff is just going to be autonomous right like mining robots or something else but some stuff will need will need humans and um i guess that we can use that as a segue to my usual final question which is about science fiction because now i just remembered um avatar even though i haven't seen the new avatar but of course avatar basically a company is flying people right yeah put on the planet avatar to do some work yeah wow you're in for a treat the new avatar is just mind-blowing i love that movie all right i gotta see it but so yeah that's our sort of um traditional final question on this podcast about science fiction so i mean I, with everything you've told me so far i'm just going to assume you like science fiction as well i think you actually already oh, yes. said you like science fiction yeah. and um what what kind of science fiction do you like? What are some of your favorites? Could be anything, movies. Yeah, you know, TV, I, I love. Yeah, I I love Avatar, of course, but but Avatar is for me sci-fi meets adventure sort mm -hmm. of thing. Um, I love that the kind of movies that does 
interpretations of how, you know, the dystopic 200 years in the, in the future sort of space flight will look like. So, of course, you know, the alien movies, alien covenant, mm-hmm. that kind of movies, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing, the dark uh, sci-fi thing. Uh, and of course, you know, for me, Interstellar is just, um, I can't get enough of Interstellar. The idea that, you know, the, the, the deep space flight kind of thing and what wormholes and black holes does to the human body and just building a story based on real theories. I know that everything is not realistic, of course. Uh, and, and sometimes I can sit and criticize the pressure suits and the EVA suits. And, but, you know, all that set aside, I think uh, my favorite um, uh, sci-fi movie of all times is uh, is uh, Interstellar. But I'm, as I said, I'm also a sucker for for the old, you know, the the, the late seventies and eighties alien movies, and, and yeah. for the new ones, I think they are just amazing. They are so beautiful. And and on sci-fi, coming full circle to what we talked at the beginning, um, design any sort of you know, space-related design that springs to your mind, do you think is just really cool from? From the sci-fi movies oh yes absolutely it's actually uh, not space related but it ended up being space related i think you know tars the robot in in uh in interstellar i think mm. that's that's you know one of the most beautiful design pieces uh in in uh, uh, sci-fi hardware because it's this you know marooned uh, marine machine that that is brought to space which will kind of you know it, it's not made to look like a humanoid it's, it's it's made to be this, you know, functional boxy thing, which, in my opinion, is is more as a, a kind of graphic design art piece than, mm-hmm. than a robot. That's that's one thing. And also uh, the Tom Cruise movie um, Oblivion. Oblivion. Yeah. yeah, Oblivion was designed by um, by um, uh, Daniel Simmons. Daniel mm-hmm. Simmons was the industrial designer that designed all the hardware and you know the flying helicopters and drones. I think these are also just mind blowing beautiful. Yeah, that, that habitat they were living in was kind of. Oh cool. yes, you know the Sky Tower. It's called. Yeah, Sky Tower. you know the Sky Tower is just just beautiful, but also this evil spaceship in orbit around the Earth is. Oh, the the Tet. The yes. Tet. Yeah. The tet. You know that the, the tri- triangular yeah. simplistic design. I think it's it's so beautiful. I'm I'm a, being a designer. I'm a sucker for visuals, right? It, it needs yeah. to be beautiful. It needs to not be realistic, connected to what we are used to today, but be something that I can imagine would look like in that scenario. And, and I just you know. I love it. Yeah, that's some cool stuff in sci-fi. I, I really hope life is going to imitate some of that there. But anyway, that's like, we could hold yeah. an entire episode about that. And maybe we will do one day. But Nima, thank you so much for coming on. It was really interesting to hear about Project Next Step and, and good luck with everything. You know, um, again, we'll help you where we can. And, and yeah, um, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. And that's a wrap for another nominal episode of the Space Business Podcast. Once more, if you enjoyed this, please leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple or Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore space. You can support us at www.patreon.com forward slash space business podcast. Lastly, if you have any feedback, including ideas for guests, and that may include yourself if you have an interesting space story to tell, or interested in being a sponsor, drop us an email at spacebusinesspodcast at gmail.com. See you for the next episode.